All right. Hey, guys, welcome back. This is uh, another episode of OTXNT. I'm Dr. Benjamin Pate. I'm with Dr. Andrew Marquez. And we today are going to be talking about uh, the celebration of the uh, festival Purim. And uh, if you are a Baptist or uh, Christian, you probably are not celebrating it. I know I never really grew up ever celebrating it. I mean, I heard about, well, actually the first time I heard about it when I was in Israel uh, and I was a kid just visiting. Um, so, hey, let's, let's get started and then let's talk about it and have a little fun with it. And um, that'll, we'll, we'll get on with it, man. So you're up, you want to lead us and start our prayer? I will. I'm, I'm super excited. I, I think you're going to teach me a lot of stuff. So. Oh, I'm going to just <laughs> right. get ready. It'll be good. <laughs> let's pray. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Amen. All right. So, okay, here's the deal. I, I said you probably have never, never heard of Purim. Um, and, and if you are a Messianic Jew, you are, you have, probably heard it. You probably are celebrating. Here's what I didn't realize, right? I didn't realize um, when, when going through this, I've kind of, let me stop this and just say this. I, I have been somebody who more lately in my life have been wanting to look more at the festivals of the Old Testament and, and incorporate those into my life for my family. Uh, the reason being is that, you know, I think it, it's good. It, it, it begins to, you know, fill up our year of things to look forward to, uh, things to celebrate. It, as a Baptist, I love the foods that come with it. But one of the things that you'll see is when you go through these holidays is they always all have some sort of biblical significance. You know, the, my problem with some of the holidays that we celebrate is while I love the ones that, that celebrate our country or, uh, you know, or some of those, you know, things like that, or uh, the, the, the issue that I have with some of the others is they don't really have much meaning, right? They're things that we do and we might have a cookout, but we don't really actually spend any time reflecting as a family. I mean, really, I think the closest we get to that of a kind of a non-biblical holiday would be Thanksgiving, uh, where you are, you're still trying to reflect uh, and you're, you know, and the meal still is a piece of, you know, kind of trying to look back to what might have been, what they might have eaten before, even though I know it's probably way different uh, now. Um, but so that being said, Purim was one of the first ones I ever really encountered, and I, I loved it. So I remember as a kid uh, being in Jerusalem, hanging out with some friends, and we went to uh, uh, this, this uh, I can't remember where we were, but there was a place where all the kids were sitting down, and here's the weird thing, they were all in costume. Um, and, and then what you could hear is like at, at certain times, it was in Hebrew, kids would be going, boo, and come to find out, right, is they're celebrating Purim and they're reading through the story of Esther. And that's all part of the elements of this. So for the longest time, I just kind of figured maybe Purim was kind of just the, the like the Jewish Halloween because people were all dressed up. But in fact, uh, it, it's way more than that. And, and there was a part of me that's like, well, I, it's kind of weird that why does Purim get its own holiday? You know, wh why is it? You know, and, and the question I was wanting to know was, and I never actually looked into it until uh, 
not that long ago, of like Purim is like a legitimate, like biblical holiday. It's in the Bible. And so I'll get to where for me is why I think it's important, why I think it's every Christian should think about adding it back into their life. Um, here's the deal. Uh, you'll, you'll see um, at the end of the book of Esther, if you go to, uh, it's not, not the last chapter, but the one right before, um, chapter nine, you'll see reference to it. Now, let me stop and just give you a, a, a heads up, just to remind you the themes of Esther and why Esther is important, right? Because Esther is, is a story of God's providential hand. Uh, it's, it's, uh, it's one of the only, it's one of the few books in the Bible that, that never mentions God's name, but throughout it all, you see the providential hand of God working through and to ultimately bring a great salvation of his people. You know, and it gets to that story of Vashti. She's the queen in, uh, in Persia. Our guess is that Ahasuerus, who is mentioned in Esther, is the same as Xerxes, if that would have been his other name. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, it's interesting. You look up, like, what's that all about? Uh, you know, and it seems to be that in some drunken party, uh, and actually, if you go to, um, and stop me, man, I'll just steamroll, man, if I don't stop. I get excited about this stuff. It's interesting. Go for it, man. I'm, I'm um, excited. <laughs> There's an interesting thing. So like the, the, the king holds this big feast and all of these elements play into how it's celebrated now, right? And he holds this big feast. It's like a week-long banquet. We've gone from talking about fasting to now, boom, this huge feast. Uh, and there's, there's, there's this big drunken festival. In fact, it's so bad that the king in verse, uh, it says chapter one, verse seven, um, drinks were served in an array of gold goblets, each with a different design. Royal wine flowed freely according to the king's bounty. Drinking was according to the royal decree. There are no restrictions. So when it came down to it, it starts with, there are no rules, let's get drunk, right? In that, then the king asked for Vashti to come and dance before the officials. Now there's speculation, like tradition, like Jewish tradition is like, he wanted her to do like a strip tease and she didn't want to. And so he's in front of his men. He's angry that he feels like he's being wrong. The wisdom is get rid of her. So of course he kicks her out. And then there's this search for a new queen, right? And that's where we find Esther or her name at that time is Hadassah. Um, and so uh, you know the story, how it goes. She's brought in, she's found to be the one. Uh, he marries her. And then you've got Haman, who is a, uh, you know, who goes through and he is um, somebody who, uh, uh, he's an Amalekite background and he has a plan to like wipe out all the Jews. And yet God through providence uses Esther to, to help uh, help keep the Jews safe through it all. And Haman ends up dying at the very end. And so there you go. So that, all that to be said is once you get to the end of the book, and this is the overlooked part that I've always overlooked it, is the very end in chapter nine, it talks about this. Um, and it says, so this is enough for me, man, to realize like maybe we should do this. Yeah. Not that it's mandated, but I think it's interesting. Um, you get to 9, verse 29, it says, Queen Esther, daughter of Abihail, along with Mordecai the Jew, wrote this second letter with full authority to confirm the letter about Purim. And he sent letters, uh, and um, you'll see that, so that they've already been talking about like, okay, so Purim is a time to celebrate. You'll go a little bit right before, and it says um, that, um, it says that um, in verse 26, 
For this reason, these days are called Purim because of the word poor. Because, uh, and so that's kind of where the idea is the word lot, uh, as our guess, is that it comes for lot, from lot. And then you also see uh, a little bit prior to that, it says uh, in verse 20 on, it says, Mordecai recorded these events, sent the letters to all the Jews in all of Ahasuerus' province, both near and far. He ordered them to celebrate the 14th and 15 days of the month of Adar every year, because during those days, the Jews gained relief from their enemies. That was the month when their sorrow was turned to rejoicing and their mourning into a holiday. And they were to be days of feasting, rejoicing, and sending gifts to one another and to the poor. So that's it in a nutshell, right? So we know the story of Esther. And even at the end of the book, there is, they were starting to already celebrate this holiday. And so to me, like, that's something like, okay, why don't we do that anymore? That's an incredible story. And it's one that like I have a one day a year, I can turn my, fam I could turn my family's attention, the church's attention to this incredible story uh, and celebrate with my people. So that's that. And uh, I got some other little things, but I want to ask if you, yeah. you want to talk about anything. Yeah, I mean, it, it, it's really cool. You know, I, I did not know that it was actually in the Bible. Uh, I just thought it was a, a Jewish holiday until you had told me. No, it's in it's in the book of Esther, you know, and uh, kind of sharing my ignorance with everybody. But uh, I think a lot of uh, Christians don't even know that this is one of the prescribed uh, celebrations, one of the big feasts of uh, the Jews. And so uh, it's it's really cool to see it right there and how they celebrate it, giving presents and turning a day of sorrow into joy. I, and, and just to clarify, Lot, uh, you're, you're referring to like dice or casting yeah. lots, not not. Uh, a character lot, but no, um, you're, you're, it's the lots, the Purim. And so God essentially is uh, guiding uh, luck and uh, chance and what was going to be a bad chance turned into good fortune. Uh, exactly. So um, how, I guess, would you celebrate this uh, as a Christian today? Okay. So here's the yeah. deal, man. One of the things I love about Jewish holiday, and let me say this, let me just say that if you've missed this for so long, first off, I think that there's been an issue of in the church, we have, for so long, we've tried to get rid of like, and I know that there's history, you and I studied this as we were in school together, of how much neglect there was of the Old Testament, and some of that was purposeful. They didn't want to touch it because there were some problems with some people in the past, right? And there's, there's, we've, we've more and more we've seen a re, a reclaiming of this is our scriptures too. Um, these are our scriptures too. So here's the deal: um, uh, you read something like that, and you might glance over and just say, "Oh, they had a holiday for each other," but you didn't realize like that was been carried on for year after year after year after year, and they still do it to today. So that's what's exciting to me is that this has been a tradition that has been taking place since that time, right? Since that time, if you're going to go based on that, I guess we're looking at, you know, in the 480s to 460s uh, BC, that's been going on. Um, and so um, here, here's kind of how you would celebrate this today. So I'll give you a couple things. Um, so every element typically of a Jewish one of the things I love about these Jewish holidays is they, they all have little things added to the story. So um, obviously some of the big ones that you see, um, there's feasting involved, there's charitable giving. You already see that in the text, right? That these are things that you do. You give to charity, uh, you feast. 
Uh, but there's some other little funny things that they do um, that, that of, of how they celebrate it today that I think are kind of fun and something maybe you want to do with your own family. Um, so one of the first things you do is you actually sit down and you read the whole book together. Uh, it's 10 chapters, but I think that's great. It's a good story. It's a great one to read together. But here's, here's what you do. Um, there's a, I guess, a rabbinic tradition that if you read Exodus 17, 14, God talks about how he's going to blot out the name of Amalek because uh, the Amalekites of what they did. And since Haman was one, one of the traditions that's developed is uh, you make a bunch of loud noise every time Haman's name is mentioned in the text. So boo. You're supposed, yeah, exactly, true, <laughs> boo, or uh, you've got some sort of like, you know, noise machine and you're doing that. So every time you say, so it makes it for a lot of fun to do that. Um, and, and then you, if, if uh, you've got, in some traditions, if you bring up uh, Mordecai's name, it's a, you know, clapping. Um, and so it, it kind of trains you to listen, but you're hearing the story. So one of the first things is you built in, read the story together. Um, you have a, a meal. Now here's what's really weird. There are some Jewish traditions, and I will say this because this is anti-biblical, um, is some Jewish traditions say get as drunk as you can in this festival, right? Because it started out in wine, get drunk, uh, because, you know, uh, now that's some, it's not all, but it's kind of a weird deal. Now, granted, they, they say the reason you get, you even bring wine into it is because it started with wine and it's a great way, but they want to say, some, I guess some of them have said too, you drink so much that you can no longer distinguish between Haman or Mordecai. Now that's a little messed up. And as Christians, <laughs> we're told to not get drunk. Right. Uh, and so I would say, toss that one out. Don't mess with that uh, at all. Um, <laughs> but um, there's, there's another little piece I mentioned it, um, when I started talking about showing up and it seemed like a costume party. This is cool because it is, they all dress up. Uh, kids dress up and they make it into a big thing. And, and here's, the, here's where it gets kind of fun. Um, there's a couple little different reasons for why you would do it. Part of it is just kind of merrymaking. It's just a fun celebration. You get to dress up, have fun. But there's a little bit more to it that some say, and this is one of the reasons they do it, uh, is it's because how God worked through different processes. He was essentially disguised throughout the story, right? It's God's providence working. And so in the same way that God is working through other things and he's not necessarily seen in the front, the, they, you, the, one of the explanations is you have your people uh, dress up so that, you know, to kind of remember that. Uh, another reason would also be, you know, because Esther didn't reveal that she was Jewish until the very end. She was seen to be, you know, Persian to everybody. You would kind of do that. Or when, because in the story, Mordecai's dressed up in the king's clothing uh, that he's dressed. So there's, there's a real tradition for dress up. Um, in fact, if we want to get rid of Halloween altogether, this is our end, man. This is the change. We go to a spring Halloween Purim, okay? Um, here's another thing. Here's another thing I love is, is the food, okay? So if you go and you celebrate, there's a couple of things that you would do. Um, you know, you would, one of the things that you'll see is uh, it, it's the... Um, it's the dessert piece. And, and some of you guys, I know I, I, you probably have them in Tucson where you're at. If you go to like a Jewish bakery or a deli, up here we have a place called Chompies. I absolutely love Chompies. It's a great place. A little expensive, but you can go there and you'll find these in the bakery too. They're called, uh, sometimes they're called Haman Tashin or sometimes they're called uh, Oznai uh, Haman. 
And essentially, it, it, they're called Haman's ears. Uh, and so they're little triangles like that. And what they are is they're little pastries that have like a, either a raspberry filling or a, uh, you know, like a, I'm trying to, what's the other word I'm thinking of? Um, I can't remember what the other one was. It's the, it's not the, I can't remember the orange. Anyways, you have a fruity pastry inside and the, even those are meant to remind you of Haman, uh, right? And, and you're eating his, his ears off and stuff like that. So it's kind of a fun thing. Uh, fun thing to do. I know that there's more to the Haman's ears than necessary, but they're called that, right? They're a reminder of Haman getting it. Um, the, the other thing is dumplings, something to where like they even some traditions will, and like I said, when you're dealing with Jewish tradition, it really depends on which region they came from yeah. and when these are. So what I'm giving is kind of like a, a whole kind of mix. And I'm saying, I kind of like some of these and I'll incorporate them in. Um, one of these is like a dumplings where you have meat and it's hidden under the dough, right? Because the idea is that it was hidden just like God's hand was hidden throughout the story. So you have doughy like dumplings uh, that you would have there. Uh, and then also you would have, I've seen some, if you ever have uh, challah bread, uh, and I guess this is more of a raisin challah bread that you would use. Um, and then some even, I guess some traditions go as far as like they'll have a head of bread that made to look like Haman, and then you can pluck his eye eyes out and stuff like that. So um, a lot of fun stuff there, but I love how the little elements point towards the story and how to talk about it too uh, yep. with kids. So I, I'm a fan this year, uh, if you're looking at the calendar and it's always in spring, um, this year Purim is on uh, the, I believe it's the, it's the 26th of this month. Um, so I will probably be with my small group at church, uh, probably bring busting out some Haman's ears. Um, but this is like the first year that we're going to really celebrate it as a family. Uh, we've always done the Haman's ears piece, but like, I think the, the pieces, the foods, you know, those kind of things, how do we do it? And then, you know, I've still, my kids are really young still, so I don't know how long they would take to make it through, uh, the whole reading of Esther. Uh, but they might, it might make it one or two chapters by making them yell out, boo, Haman, you know. So there you go, man. That's, that's kind of it in a nutshell. Um, and uh, I, I, yeah, I can't wait. I can't wait for Purim to start. Uh, that's, that's cool. I mean, it, it sounds like it's a lot of fun that we've been missing out on. And I think that there's uh, great ways to get in on this. You know, um, I'm thinking uh, church movie night, you know, one night with the king and just yell at Haman the whole time. Wouldn't that be um, fun? You know, and, uh, you know, some of this stuff's a little gruesome for, for maybe some of our Western sensibilities, but. Uh, Bring it you know, back, man. Read, read okay. Nahum, you know. <laughs> yeah. Judgment comes on God's enemies. Um, one of the things I, I think is interesting that just strikes me is this is like the only really exilic feast that I'm aware of that, that comes from uh, outside of Israel. I, I guess, obviously, before Israel came into the land, we have yeah. Passover established, but it's, it's almost like that. It's an exilic um, outside of the land, and it reminds me of the church being uh, identified with the dispersion. You know, First Peter talks about to those that are scattered, those are that are, are dispersed, and uh, the fact that the Jews were dispersed, they weren't destroyed, and Christians find ourselves in a similar boat sometimes that we're dispersed, and one of the things that we can kind of see ourselves uh, with Israel as our ancestors, in a sense, is that God has preserved his people. And yeah. I think that brings a meaning to this that's really important to us today. If you're feeling as though 
hope is lost sometimes, this is a great holiday that we could celebrate and say, no, God's going to save his people and support his people. And so um, I think it's great. I think, I think there's got to be a way to, to incorporate this. And I think churches are incorporating this. I did a little Google search and stuff. So cool deal. Um, yeah, man. I, I'll just say this. I think it's in our Bible. I think that's, we should, we should look at that. And even if you're weirded out by like, oh, these are Jewish holidays. You know, some people have an issue with that because they're not Jewish or whatnot. And you're not a Messianic Jew. It's in our Bible. And it's another day to celebrate. You can make it a special day either with your church or with your family to get them to think about the saving acts of the Lord. And you can always take that and go gospel right after that of him saving too. So I think it's a great way. It's another celebration. If you have a, you think about the hardness of the, of each year that comes, breaking them up with celebrations about how God can always save is a great, great way to add into your, into your life. Very cool. Well, that is Purim. So it is. So get ready. Let's celebrate it together. Yeah. And let's do it. Let's do, uh, let's, let's have some Haman's ears, and some dumplings, man. <laughs> I think mine have to be fish depending on what I'm doing with Lent, you know? See, but. that's why I think I can't do Lent because I'm going to do, I'm poor. I got to make room for Purim, my that's big right. feast. So, <laughs> all right, man. Well, let me say the blessing and we'll be awesome. done. You ready? Ready. May the Lord bless you and protect you. May the Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. May the Lord look with favor on you and give you peace. God bless you guys. Thanks for hanging out with us. And I hope you have a great rest of the week. Take care. Take care.